hundreds of ships are still waiting to pass through the Suez Canal, despite the 400-metre-long Ever Given being refloated uh, late last night. Uh, after being stuck for six days, it was, of course, clogging one of the world's busiest trade routes, halting billions of dollars a day, which is just staggering in and of itself. Think about that, billions of dollars a day yeah. in maritime commerce. To chat further, we're joined by Michael Bell, Professor of Ports and Maritime Logistics at the University of Sydney. A very good afternoon to you, Professor. Hello there. Good afternoon, indeed. So how did they get it off? You mean get it off the banks of the yeah. Yeah, Canal? Yeah. 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 Well, after a lot of... Uh, Pulling and pushing and digging. So um, the bow, which wedged into the side of the canal, had to be dug out. Uh, and so there were those uh, now famous pictures of a tiny digger and the huge... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, then it was uh, basically pulled out from behind. So they had uh, tugboats at the back pulling it backwards. Excellent. And uh, tugboats on the front pulling it into the centre. And they waited until there was a full moon and a mm. full tide. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, that did the trick. So it, it now afloats. Mm. Michael, what do you think the lessons from this will be? Because I, I'm working on the presumption it would be prohibitively expensive to make the Suez Canal bigger, wider. Um, but do, do, do you think that this move towards these astonishingly big container ships, this might curtail it that for a while? Well, um, the Suez Canal was widened in 2015, so it has fairly recently been widened, but not the section where the uh, ever uh, the, the evergreen ship uh, ran into the side. Mm, so right. it, it's been uh, to the north of that. Uh, it has been widened and also uh, twinned. So sections of the canal from the uh, Great Bitter Lake. So in, in the mm. middle of the canal is a lake, the Great mm. Bitter Lake. Yeah. And uh, north of that, uh, it was widened and also twinned. Right. South of it, which is where the ship ran aground, uh, has yet to receive attention. So I think what the Suez Canal Authority will now do is have a long think about uh, what it can do south of the lake. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there were a project to either right. widen or twin that section of the canal. Yep. Professor, I did see and read one story where the salvage team, the first thing they said was, we did it, as they all honked their horns in unison. I guess when I read that, I thought there was obviously a real danger that they weren't going to do it. What, should, what odds did you give it initially to sort of have this rescue versus unpacking the ship, as it were? Oh, I, I, I was pretty confident they would get it afloat again. Uh, Boscalis, who are experts in this business, it's a Dutch uh, firm specialised in this kind of thing. Uh, they were deployed to to solve the problem, and I had no doubt it would be solved. So, mm. But I, I would comment on that um, what's happened is that container ships have got larger fairly rapidly. Mm, yeah. And so in many respects, this was a, an accident waiting to happen. Um, and uh, so I, I guess, you know, if it wasn't this ship, it would maybe maybe the next larger ship <laughs> yeah. as they get gradually bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, oh, sorry, one of the things that, that, was, uh, re that was reported a few days ago, and I'm fascinated to hear your thoughts about this, was the suggestion that this could be very, very expensive for the shipping line, which, as you say, the, the line, not the boat, not the ship, but the line is called Evergreen. Um, is that right? Well, will basically the, the the huge costs that have been incurred will will they have to be somehow 
try to be met by the shipping line that owns that ship? No, uh, actually the bills rest with the owner of the ship, which is not the shipping line. So Evergreen oh, has chartered okay. the ship from a Japanese ship owner. Right. So it's the Japanese ship owner who's uh, on the hook. Um, so typically a, a ship owner has two types of insurance. There's uh, marine insurance, which covers the hull and the machinery. And as far as we know, the ship is not badly damaged. So that's not the issue. No. It's the third-party coverage which is yeah. provided by in this case i think by the london pni club so what uh, ship owners do is they they join a number of quite large clubs which self-insure and that's how they basically cover third-party risks like uh damage to others damage to the canal yeah. uh, loss of trade that will in this case will result from the blockage of the canal. So I think what will happen is uh, the ship owner, Japanese ship owner, who is insured, uh, will basically receive the claims and pass them on to the P&I Club. The P&I Club is, is also reinsured, so the risk is spread pretty thinly across the uh, shipping and financial community. Right. What a fascinating, fascinating saga. I mean, given your profession, Professor, Ports and Maritime Logistics, I mean, again, it's one of those bittersweet things. You would have, <laughs> you would have watched this with a great deal of interest and fascination, I, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, a couple of other comments I would make. Um, as a result of the pandemic, uh, shipping lines are actually in the money. They're doing very well. They're making large profits mm. at the moment. Mm. And by this, I mean container shipping lines. Yeah. yeah. So Evergreen will be currently doing rather well. Um, mm. And, uh, oil, of course, containers are not the only thing going through the canal. We've also got tankers going through. We've got car carriers. We've got dry bulk carriers. Uh, we've got uh, basically every type of ship you can think of, mm. apart from cruise ships, which are not sailing at the moment. Mm. But anyway, um, so... It's it's about one third containers, one third tankers, and one third everything else. Right. Um, as far as oil is concerned, I think there's no concern at all because the world is currently afloat with oil. It is. Now, one of the things the pandemic did was to dampen the demand for oil. Yeah. Uh, which led to the build-up of quite large surpluses, some of which is sitting in tanks on land, and some of which is sitting in uh, oil tankers. So we're hoping fuel prices won't go up and the old oil companies say, oh, I've got a, pro <laughs> got a problem in the Suez Canal. You're not suggesting prices I, will go up? I don't think there'll be any increase in fuel prices. Right. Um, what might happen is because containers are a totally different story. So with containers, uh, container shipping, as I say, are making good profits. And that's partly because of the rebound from the March 2020 lockdowns. Uh, People were not spending on leisure and travel and so on. And uh, it yeah. looks like people went shopping instead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Look, last question from me, Professor. Um, this, this ship, 400 metres long, the Ever Given, is, that, is it one of the biggest ships in the world as far as container ships go? Or is that just average these days? Oh, it's not average. It's definitely a large ship. So it's just over 20,000 20 foot equivalent units. That's how. Uh, capacities measured. The biggest at the moment is 24. So there are bigger ships than that, um, but not much. No. Uh, that's definitely a very large ship.
Yeah, and the absolutely. last thing before we let you go, Michael, there's a lot of dispute, and I guess an investigation will be held. Are you picking it was human error or technical error? Um, yet to be revealed. It's worth pointing out that there was a, um, a Suez Canal pilot on the bridge. So, oh, um, okay. So uh, it was in the hands of the Suez Canal when, when the accident happened. But I don't know. It may, it may have been some failure. It may have been the sudden gust of wind. It may have been poor visibility. It, it remains to be clarified exactly right. what went wrong. Very good. Great. Michael, very nice to talk to you. Thanks for your expertise. Thanks so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. That's Professor Michael Bell. Um, uh, he is a professor of ports and maritime logistics at Sydney University.